0: Fan Ramen. Who's antsy? Welcome to Fan Ramen. The official podcast of
1: Black Ramen.
0: We're a band who writes epic music for film and games. And
1: we're here to read your fan fiction.
0: I'm Lindy. Konnichiwa!
1: I'm Ralph. Are you stir-crazy yet? Because I sure am.
0: Behind the board is our awesome sound guy.
1: And stir-fry samurai. The, the Rice, Rice Meister, Meister Kevin. Kevin.
0: Dark times of coronavirus. We have dark stories for you.
1: Actually, it's like noon outside. It's kind of bright.
0: I mean, I wouldn't know. I've been on self-quarantine, uh, so I haven't been outside in like a week.
1: All right, I'm uh, we are getting so many fan ramen episodes done, people. We've got a lot of extras in our Patreon. We have interviews with the two of us. You get you get to hear Kevin speak and all of our outtakes.
0: Hey Kevin. Yeah. Ralph's making really inappropriate gestures. <laughs>
1: Ralph is an inappropriate gesture. <laughs> We're giving you a sneak peek of our Patreon interviews at the end of this episode. Stick around after the fan fiction to hear our banter.
0: Lizzie Bell is on Archive of Our Own. You spell that? L-Y-Z-Z-Y-B-E-L-L-E. They wrote a Supernatural and Teen Wolf crossover fic called Fool Me Once. Sam thinks he has been captured for five days when the newest captive arrives, But he's not sure. Could have been longer or less, and the Molotov cocktail of drugs that he was given when they first caught him kept him muddled and cotton-headed for some time. The basement is a windowless hole, so he's unable to keep time by tracking the passing of night and day. He does, however, count the meals five visits which result in a bowl of scraps and a bowl of water shoved roughly through the small rectangular slot near the floor the food is unappetizing but sam eats anyway dean will come for him he will and he refuses to put his brother in jeopardy by being too dehydrated or malnourished to help with the escape with their dangerous lifestyle sam has played both the captive and the rescuer before And one truth remains constant. When one Winchester is caught, the other will find them. It shames him to admit that he wishes it will be soon. The newest inmate arrives unconscious, as Sam had, a limp form with hair buzzed shorter than his brother's. With the slightest of sounds, Sam scoots forward on the concrete, the soft sounds ignored by the burly form carrying the unconscious bundle. The booted foot nudges the barred door open in the cell next to his, and the body is casually dumped in a way that has Sam wincing in sympathy. The guy might be unconscious now, but he will feel its effects when he regains consciousness. Sam had felt those bruises himself for two meals.
1: Two days,
0: he thinks. Aloud when the cell door is closed and faint vibrations are felt as he inches closer to the bars to squint at the prone form. Footsteps echo in the chamber. There's a sound of a weapon being pulled from a holster and then the steady of a billy club dragging against the bars and Sam flinches.
1: It is part of the game.
0: He reminds himself.
1: I'm just pretending I'm scared, playing along until Dean gets here. I'm not really scared. Winchesters don't scare easily, but I wouldn't mind if Dean decides to hurry up just a little.
0: He thinks. The man walking by finds this amusing and chuckles as he raps sharply on his cell. (laughs) Soon. The man promises, like he does each time he comes in the room never explains what will happen, but the dark amusement in his voice promises it won't be anything good. It is the only word Sam has heard since he first awoke in his cell, disoriented and angry. In the beginning, Sam had shouted himself hoarse, first demanding explanations, then later to provoke a response. All to no avail. Other than the food and water, Sam's existence was hardly acknowledged. That, more than anything, he found unsettling. The sixth meal arrives. Sam's hands shake as he holds the bowl to his lips, but only a few drops spill out. He tries to ration the water, knowing that the next meal will not arrive until long after his thirst is renewed. There is a rustle of movement in the next cell, a low groan, and Sam carefully sets the plastic bowl down. The ceiling of the cage does not allow for Sam to stand fully upright, so he scoots to the left side and grasps the bars.
1: Hey, you okay?
0: His voice is still hoarse from the yelling he did to or meals ago and his throat hurts but he keeps trying to speak consciously keeps the pitch soothing reassuring more movement from the cell as the figure tries to sit where the word is followed by a hiss of pain and Sam's hands clench around the bars in frustration hating that he can't do anything but watch and talk You okay? He asks again, and this time the head turns. He gets his first look at the person in the next cell. The kid can't be much older than 16 or 17, and Sam can only imagine the terror the kid must be feeling. Not every kid has had the advantage of being raised by a hunter. Say what you will about John Winchester's parenting skills. Cuddly, the man was not. But he did teach Sam how to handle himself in an emergency.
1: Assess, evaluate, calculate, bide your time, son.
0: Sam remembers his dad's advice. Of course, his captors must have read the John Winchester's Guide to Raising Kids because his initial assessment upon waking had shown nothing but a handful of bare cells. No beds conveniently bolted to the floor, Bolts can be removed, frames can be dismantled and used as weapons. An observation of the guards had given him very little information. Sam's multiple attempts to draw the attention of the guard had given depressing results. Now, Sam was just waiting. Because Dean would come. Any day now.
1: I like that story because there were six meals. Lindy, Kevin, if we kidnapped a protagonist, we could feed him forever. I mean, we're fan ramen. Who's hungry, right?
0: Okay, which protagonist would you want to kidnap the most, Ralph?
1: Oh, well, you know, if, if someone's going to feed you free ramen, I'd kidnap me for the free food.
0: <laughs> okay, if you stick with <laughs> us to the end of the podcast, we're going to both answer that question in depth. Mm-hmm. Stick around after the next story to tune in.
1: Next up, we've got a tense, angsty love story. Mm. (laughs) This is a Harry Potter fic called Broken, written by Stars and Sunkissed. You can find them on archiveofourown.org.
0: Remember, you can always submit your fanfic to fanramenpodcast at gmail.com or submit on our website, www.fanramen.com. Hermione stammered out.
1: Well, putting it frankly, you've always been a bit of a bitch,
0: said Ron, daring her to disagree. It was about a week after Ron's birthday, and he was finally well enough to sit up in bed and look Hermione in the eye. For months, ever since he had started dating Lavender, in fact, Hermione had nothing but snide remarks and insults for him. Ron wasn't his friendly self, either, of course. He had to admit... He had overreacted badly to finding out Hermione had snogged Victor Crumb. When Lavender came into the picture, though, it seemed like everything fell into place. Lavender was affectionate in a way Hermione never was. She always had a kind word and a smile for him, and she never called him harsh names. When Lavender said something nice, she meant it. It was suffocating at times, but it was better than the cold shoulder he was getting from the rest of friends and family. The cold shoulder ended with his trip to the hospital wing, courtesy of some poisoned mead. Thank Merlin, Harry had been there to shove a bezor down his throat. Hermione had come to patch things up now, after months of avoiding him and Lavender. He should have been thrilled that she wanted to see him, happy that she didn't hate him. His brush with death, however, had him thinking about their long-running friendship. And here she was, asking him to the next Hogsmeade weekend. To both their surprise, he said no. Hermione began to sputter a denial, but no coherent words came out of her. Ron immediately began a rant that he had been bottling up for years.
1: You always seem to think that since you've got the best marks, you've got the right to act like you're some sort of god. You're you're always shitting on Lavender and Parvati, and I don't think that you've ever even spoken to Sally Ann or Faye. You don't know the names of anyone in our year who wasn't... In the DA, or even though we've been in classes together for nearly six years.
0: Oh, honestly, Ronald, it isn't as if you know all the
1: Slytherins in our year. There you go again. You always try and change the subject when I say something that makes sense. Shouted Ron. I... You never seem to care about what everyone else thinks. In third year, you completely ignored me when I told you to keep your pet away from scabbers. And yeah, scabbers turned out to be a Death Eater, but that's not the point. You acted as if it was all my fault. Your animal kept trying to kill one of the only things I own. Not to mention the whole firebolt thing with Harry. Yes, yes, Sirius sent it. But it's not as if Harry was going to take it for a test flight right away. But no, Perfect Hermione just had to go blabbing to McGonagall without even talking to the rest of us.
0: Ron ignored Hermione's watery eyes.
1: Then there's last year with that jinxed parchment.
0: At that, Hermione couldn't keep quiet. That jinx was for our protection! If I hadn't put it there, we all would have been expelled! Bloody hell, Hermione! You
1: didn't tell anyone what the jinx was. How are they supposed to know what blabbing would do? Edgecombe was a snitch, but you crossed a line. She doesn't even remember what she did, cause Kingsley obliviated her.
0: A dark look crossed Ron's face.
1: And who could forget this year?
0: You attacked me! Hermione swallowed. Ron, I... I didn't mean it.
1: Yes, you did. I saw your face. The second your feelings hurt, you send birds after me. To what? Teach me a lesson?
0: You were snogging her right in front of me! She
1: kissed me! And I'm damn sure we weren't the only ones celebrating. Was I supposed to ignore her because your feelings might have gotten hurt?
0: No, you were supposed to ignore her because you fancied me! Hermione snapped, then looked away in embarrassment.
1: Well, how the bloody hell was I supposed to know? You never said anything. You treat me like some annoying kid brother, and you've never done anything to show it.
0: Hermione remained
1: silent. For all the flack you've been giving Lavender, at least she was honest. And she didn't try to invite McLagan to Slughorn's party for her date.
0: I told you I was going to...
1: No! You said you were allowed to bring guests... Not dates. Is it any bloody wonder I thought you weren't interested?
0: The hospital wing was quiet for a long time. I'm sorry, Ron. I had no idea you felt like that. I wish you had said something sooner, Hermione whispered into the silence.
1: Why do you even like me, Hermione?
0: Ron finally said.
1: You've made it clear that you fancy the smart, brainy types or really good Quidditch players. Why bother with
0: me? There was no answer. Ron sighed, running his fingers through his hair. (sighs) I think you should leave. When her footsteps receded into silence, Ron fell back into bed, feeling as weak as he looked. He had finally said his piece. He would never claim to be a genius at divination, but even he knew their friendship was irreparably broken.
1: For joining us today.
0: We hope you've discovered some new authors today. Check out our Patreon. We have outtakes, extras, and
1: bloopers. And we're accepting submissions. Email us a link to your fanfic at fanramenpodcast at gmail.com.
0: Or submit on our website, www.fanramen.com. This is Lindy.
1: This is Ralph. And, and we'll, we'll see, see you the next time, time you're, you're not quarantined. quarantined.
0: Produced by Lindy Day and Ralph Avalon. Sound design and engineering by Kevin Villagestone. Music by Black Ramen. Recorded and mixed in the Black Ramen Studios.